Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. that that league 
form, uh, you know, gave me was uh, it's like wow, you know, let, let's just go ahead, let's win our, let's win this league, uh, let's win the whole thing, which we didn't win the whole thing, but we finished third. But the top five uh, qualified to uh, go to the FFPC in uh, Las Vegas, so it was a, it was very, very exciting, and uh, we just can't wait to, uh, can't wait to embark on it and do it. Um, you know, I just I want to thank uh, Farrell for uh, you know everything he's done with the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football uh, State Championship KFFSC. Uh, he's done a lot of great things, and you know it, it was it was kind of fun uh, listening to the uh, the high stakes uh, fantasy football hour with uh, Eric Baltman and uh, Dave Kozak. Obviously, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, or last week they had. Uh, they had Farrell on, and, you know, it was, it was fun to listen to. You know, this is a community where it, you know, it breeds. You know, you have uh, you have these guys that, like myself, I'm not that big of a stakes player, but you, you never know. You can build and kind of go from the double A, triple A, and next thing you know, you make it to the major leagues. And, you know, that's what kind of happened with this. So uh, we're looking to go – going to Las Vegas and looking forward to having a lot of fun out there. All right, let's get to the particular 347-324-5404 is the number. Red Blue Radio on Twitter, redblueradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us. We we do stream live on iTunes Radio. You can pop it in, pop in and play the podcast over the weekend if you do miss the show live. If you can be a part of the chat room, the crew here at Red vs. Blue, I highly encourage it. Uh, the chat room is made up of some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. I see dynasty players in here, writers from uh, great uh, information websites that are out there. We've got dynasty league football, pro football focus, uh, a lot of sites that are coming into play uh, that are becoming mainstays of fantasy information and fantasy advice. Uh, there's a lot of people in the chat room, so feel free to uh, pop in and be a part of that. Uh, if you'd like to call the show again, 347-324-5404 is the number. Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship will join us at the bottom of the hour. Oh, man. Okay, so this is FPA Radio, Fantasy Players Association Radio. There's a lot um, going on at the FPA. We are. I'm sitting here looking at a stack of um, questionnaires that we've got printed up, Mike, and these questionnaires are about ready to be released. The finishing touches have to go on them, and then they are going out in the mail uh, to the contest operators all around the country. So our team has done a great job of researching pretty much every contest in existence right now. Uh, we have our fingers and our claws into, and we've, we've, we've taken a look, and we have these questionnaires ready to go out. Uh, they're going to be filling these out, uh, finding out who they are, what's their background, who has access to the money, where is the money when we play. We've had a lot, We've had some black eyes in the industry. We, we don't like to talk a lot about it, but it is in the news this week, Mike. Uh, I'm going to take our direction real quick. Before we get to the good stuff, the fun stuff, the World Championship of Fantasy Football, we all know they defaulted uh, on players. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars were lost, uh, if not over a million dollars uh, by all accounts. I know our tally was over $700,000 of players that had reported that they had not been paid for their 2010 wow. winnings. Uh, then you had the baseball contest over the summer that people were kind of sucked into over the summer thinking that they would be paid, and sure enough, they were they were ponying up that money for players, uh, football players, and when they didn't even know it. Uh, they had their thoughts, but they still trusted them. So these are the questions that we do need to know uh, from fantasy operators. Who has the money? What is your background? Who has access to it? Who's on the board of directors? There's a lot of contests springing up, Mike. I can't believe it. And here in the Midwest, the, uh, we have the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Uh, you have the Bluegrass, uh, Brian Harwood, and those guys. They've got a smaller thing going there. And then you've got this uh, new Midwest Fantasy Football Championship. Uh, for some reason, here in the Midwest, things are kind of springing up here. Plus, you already have the mainstays, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, uh, already up to over, you know, a $200,000 grand prize. You have the Football Guys Players Championship, kind of the mid-tier level game that's coming up. You've got the National Fantasy Football Championship, Greg Ambrosius and Stats and those guys. And you've got new contests coming onto the scene that we still want to know more about with Toolbox and Full-Time Fantasy and those guys. So there's a lot going on in the industry. And unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately, I'm not quite sure yet, 
the World Championship of Fantasy Football and the state of Missouri, the court system, it appears to be kind of closing in on a settlement date, Mike. I don't know if this will be the end of it, but it's definitely another date where they're going to sit down and talk with Mr. Dustin Ashby and find out a little bit more of the details, find out what they can. This date is scheduled for July 17th, Mike. They meet in the courtroom July 17th, 11 a.m. If you are a player and you are owed, I would definitely advise you to contact the Missouri Attorney General's office, get involved, and find out what you can uh, if you haven't already because this thing is kind of coming to a head. We know there's a bankruptcy in place uh, with the World Championship. We're not sure of what they're going to be able to do there. Obviously, if there's any money, they're going to have to prove some form of fraud, some type of foul play uh, involved, and, you know, who knows what's up. We do know from some reports and on his own Twitter account that Mr. Ashby was in Las Vegas this past week playing in the World oh, yeah. Series of Poker. So, yeah. uh it's just one of those things, Mike. We have to we have to report the news before we get to the fun stuff, the wide receivers that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I did want to get that out of the way. And there's a lot of other good things going on that I'm going to bring up here in just a second. But, Mike, your final thoughts on the WCFF and this black eye. Well, you know, there's uh, two different things that I'm looking at right now, Scott. And, uh, uh, the WCOFF and the uh, AFFL. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to know uh, what's going on with that because uh, – Apparently, uh, they might be going, too. So uh, I, I kind of want to know, where is the money going? Uh, like you said, uh, you know, is it in escrow? Uh, are they, what are they doing with it? And uh, those are very uh, interesting questions that uh, we may have uh, down the road uh, in the next, uh, you know, the last segment of the show uh, with Farrell. Uh The AFFL. The Wyckoff, where is the money going, and can we trust them? Right now, in my opinion, there's two leagues that I can trust, and that is the uh, FFPC and the NFFC, because uh, those guys, uh, Greg Greg with the NFFC and uh, Dave and Alex with the uh, FFPC, it's credible. You know, you 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 know you're you're going to get some money, so. I'm just uh, I just don't know where the AFFL and the uh, Wyckoff is going. Well, and you can talk from experience uh, how fast you were paid by the guys yeah. Farrell Elliott in Kentucky. You were you were paid promptly, paid in a timely fashion, and now you are here. You are Mike. You did the hard work you put in. You had a great draft in Kentucky, and now you're going to be in Las Vegas at the uh, FFPC shooting for the 200 grand. Uh, the FFPC did have some news to announce today. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, that they do have Lenny and Chris to host a player appreciation event. It's the Thursday, September 6th. So we know the NFL moved their games and bumped their games up to Wednesday. They're going to have the uh, kickoff party there with the uh, the Giants and the Cowboys playing on that Wednesday. They're going to have a Thursday special event, Mike, the FFPC $500 Super Satellite with, get this, a 100% payout. It's a special 96-team super satellite format, $500 entry per team, no additional events fees, no co-manager fees, so it's going to be a good time. And it sounds like if you go on the board, there's all kinds of giveaways going on, um, all kinds of other drafts, uh, you know, just a, a good time from what it looks like here. Um, the 12 team leagues, eight of them, so there's 96 teams in total, and they're going for a first-place prize of $7,500. Uh, as well as every league has $4,000 in league prizes. So it's going to be a pretty exciting event. If you haven't signed up, you might want to check into that and look into it uh, because I bet you those spots won't last long. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you uh, – what day are you going to be traveling out to Vegas? Are you coming out on Wednesday, Thursday, or are you going to just make it for the draft? No, we're, we're going to head out uh, Wednesday, and uh, we want to be there Wednesday night. And then, uh, you know, just kind of hang out Thursday, play golf Friday morning, and then uh, be ready to draft Friday night. I want to draft on Friday night, Scott. And, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities that the uh, FFPC offers, but uh, it seems like Friday night is the, you know, the the 6 o'clock draft, that's the time to do it. So that's what we're going to do. All right, man. Again, 347-324-5404 is the number. Farrell Elliott is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Mike, what we said we wanted to talk about tonight 
was the wide receiver position. It's a pretty exciting position this year. It looks like a very deep position. And so we wanted to talk about it. We've, we've been talking about a lot of rookies. We've had a lot of dynasty guests on here bringing, breaking out the rookies that you need to pay attention to in dynasty format. But let's switch gears for a little bit of a second here. And this week, let's talk about the redraft leagues. Uh, second and third year wide receivers is kind of where the money's at. It, it usually kind of breaks out that way. Either there's value there, somebody ready to emerge. We've all heard about the infamous third year wide receivers. There's a lot of studies on that. But the second-year wide receivers, I kind of feel like I've got this draft thing figured out, okay? Uh, every year is a little bit different. Uh, but it feels to me, because of the tremendous depth at wide receiver this year, it feels like this year is kind of swaying back to getting your stud running back in the first round uh, and then maybe coming back and either getting your tight end or quarterback, depending on if you are one-and-a-half points per reception for tight ends or if you're just one PPR, maybe you go ahead and grab your quarterback. You, you kind of have that option there. Get your stud quarterback or your tight end uh, so you'll get one of the Cam Newton, Matt Staffords, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, you know, one of these quarterbacks or one of those uh, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, maybe even an Aaron Hernandez is stepping up into that elite level. Um, you, you have the tight end or quarterback position in the second. So you've got your stud established running back. You've got your now your anchor at quarterback or tight end. And then you can really fire away at these wide receivers that seem to be falling uh, into the third and fourth rounds. Now, Mike, I want to talk about, uh, obviously, the third-year wide receivers are the mystique, like we, like we talked about earlier. But there, there's a couple of big names that seem to be uh, sticking out from the crowd. You have the, the Des Bryants and the Demarius Thomases, uh, these guys that, that really look like they're ready to take that next step. Those are the two big names that seem to me to stick out. You have the Eric Decker, uh, the Mike Williams has kind of fell back to earth. Uh, but, but taking that third and fourth round wide receivers back-to-back like that, now you can come back in the fifth round and get your RB2. And there's a lot of running backs in this realm uh, that seem to be falling in this in this in this area, the I, I bet you you see the Isaac Redmonds come up near draft day into the fifth. You're going to see the James Starks start to elevate into the fifth, the C.J. Spillers, the Fred Jacksons. Uh, these are the guys that you're going to start to see in the fifth round. Real good, solid number two running backs, um, you know, somebody that you can really count on. Uh, and so then you can, again, uh, the rest of the draft, you can kind of fire away at everything you want. What do you think about that strategy this year? Because, Mike, a lot of people have been – foregoing the running backs and taking the stud wide receivers. But I think this year you can kind of get away, and I want to ask Farrell about this, you can get away with a wide receiver kind of like an A.J. Green or a Julio Jones uh, as your wide receiver one this year because of the tremendous depth, the Jeremy Macklins of the world, that you can fill in as your wide receiver twos and threes. Yeah, Scott, there's no doubt about it. The, the, the depth at wide receiver is unbelievable. I mean, you're going to have so many options. Uh, you're going to you, you need to go ahead and get the running back, the quarterback, the tight end. Uh, you don't want to be locked in to getting a uh, a top tier wide receiver, say a uh, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, when you know you can uh, you know you can back up. You can go with a uh, Demarius Thomas or. Uh, uh, Robert Meacham or anybody, I mean, way down the line. I mean, it is so deep. So, you know, I, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to uh, to see drafters just hold off, hold off, hold off, and then boom, say round six, seven, maybe well, I, I say five, six, seven, start pulling that plug on those wide receivers because they've already solidified the running back. The quarterback, the tight end, they've got those because those tight ends, I mean, there's, they're few and far between. They're very special. So you want to get those if if you can get them. But those wide receivers, I mean, there's so many of them out there. It's just pick your spot. Oh, the chat room is buzzing now. They're, they've got all kinds of strategies. Ryan is talking about Vic in the fifth. Shane Hallam give me Romo in the fifth. Vic, Rivers, Romo, all there in the fifth or the sixth. So you could get your tight end maybe in the second uh, if it's a one-and-a-half point per reception league. Or you can wait if it's a one PPR and then just come back and get uh, a quarterback in the fifth. But look at some of the running backs that are falling to the fifth round. I mean, how would you feel about a Michael Turner as your RB2? I know people are down on him, 
But to be able to get him in the fifth round, that's just insane. Steven Jackson in the mid-fourth round. Uh, you, you have guys that, uh, you know, these uh, – I know, look, I'm not a Sean Green uh, apologist here, but people were paying third and fourth round prices for him last year. You're getting him in the sixth round now. You're getting Chris Wells in the sixth or seventh round. Uh, Isaac Redman seems to be falling. Jonathan Stewart, James Starks, a lot of these guys that can be solid contributors. That's really all you're, you really need out of that RB2 because you can play matchups with, you know, two or three running backs, whereas wide receivers – I don't play really matchups with wide receivers unless I'm on Revis Island. I don't play wide receivers. I want wide receivers that are lock, stock, and barrel. So give me a Victor Cruz in the third round, dude. I mean, there's if you watch replays of that guy, he I think he's really underrated at this point. If he's going in the mid third, I think that guy can easily be uh, right there at the uh, one two turn. He's that good. But I just think people want to see a little bit more from Victor Cruz. Uh, look oh. at Antonio Brown in the fifth round. I mean, there's. Vincent Jackson, Brandon Lloyd, Steve Johnson, Kenny Britt. Are you kidding me? Kenny Britt in the fourth and late fourth and early fifth round. It's just insane. Colston, Harvin, Macklin, Austin, Des Bryant. I mean, come on, Mike. There's so much depth at wide receiver. You can you can grab him in the fourth and fifth and be happy. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But uh, on the other side of it, uh, when I'm looking at the uh, running backs, I mean, it's there may not be much depth there either. I mean, no depth right. that But, uh, you know, as far as wide receiver, I mean, you got it all day long. I mean, I'm just looking at it as well. I mean, you've got everything you want. I mean, these these guys, you're going to pick in uh, rounds 7, 8, 9, and 10, 11, 12. I mean, that you can, uh, you can bank on that's going to be a starter in a bad situation or – Maybe a regular starter throughout the uh, throughout the entire year. Yeah. Uh, again, Mike, I, I think I think the tide is kind of turning now because of the tremendous depth at wide receiver. The Greg Littles, uh, the Pierre Garcon, Eric Deckers, Torrey Smith. These guys that are going to be breaking out. These Robert Meachams. These Reggie Waynes in the sixth round. Uh, and we already mentioned all the names in the fifth area. The the Demarius Thomases. I mean, all these guys, it's so deep there. You can put together three solid wide receivers, and I haven't even mentioned Steve Smith, Dwayne Bowe. Uh, you know, put together Steve Smith and Dwayne Bowe as your, your, your number two and your number three uh, when, you, when you already grab like a, a Julio Jones or a Victor Cruz earlier or something like that. I think you need to get those two running backs this year, have those lock, stock, and barrel, at least one. You have to have at least one because a lot of these guys, if you noticed in the drafts, the last couple of years, I've seen some really strange, you know, the three wide receivers going out off the bat. Uh, the worst thing you can do as a high stakes player is take four wide receivers in your first seven picks. You don't need to do that because you're telling me that in the, the last 13 rounds, you can't find a wide receiver four that can fill in on bye weeks or be that fourth wide receiver. In 13 rounds, you feel the need to lock stock your fourth wide receiver in your first seven. It's just not the right thing to do no matter how much value you see. It screws up your lineup. Unless you know – I mean, unless you're 100% lock stock on Donald Brown or, or breaking out or, or you know for sure that Ryan Williams is going to take that job or, or Quiz Rogers is going to take over by week three or something, unless you're just 100% confident that something like that's going to happen, you don't you don't fill up your flex lineup before your starting lineup. Go ahead and get your studs that you know you have to start. You have to start at least two running backs. Most leagues, you have to start two to three wide receivers. You have to get those filled out before you start taking the flex. I know that confuses people. They're like, well, I can start four wide receivers. You can, but you don't have to. So we're kind of getting into draft strategy here a little bit and, and, and team construction. You know, I, I see people taking two tight ends, and they're saying, well, you know, hey, I can start two, I can start three. Well, you can, but you don't have to. You have to start two running backs every week. And so what are you going to do when you're in the seventh round and you're counting on Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, or Mark Ingram to play every single week for you or Stephen Ridley? You know, these, these high stakes leagues, and, Mike, you, you're, you're getting to know this now, it's a short season. You have 11 weeks to, to make the playoff championship run and be in that, you know, that title game. And you can't afford a couple of losses while you try to feel your lineup out to figure out who it's going to be and who's going to. You got to hit the ground running week one, have a good head-to-head record, or you're you're just counting, you're just banking on the fact you've got to blow the water out of the points. 
to be able to make up for that because head-to-head is very important in high stakes. You only have 11 short weeks to do it. You don't have the full 13 weeks to do it. You've got 11. And so every game is much more important. Right. And, you know, uh, if I can jump in real quick, uh, you know, it's been chomping uh, chomping them a bit, but – uh, I know we were going to talk a lot about wide receivers on this show, but, uh, you know, it's kind of turned a little bit because uh, there's a very uh, very fine line when you have to take those running backs. When do you take them? And how early do you take them? Uh, because there's not much there at running back. When I'm, when I'm looking to, you know, if you're going down to uh, Fred Jackson, Darren Sproles, uh, et cetera, et cetera, it starts to really fall off. So you really have to take advantage of that running back quickly. And then you can, like we just talked about, you can take advantage of the uh, the, the big wide receiver pool that we have. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the running backs are very limited. So it's, it's you better get them. And then the wide receivers, that big pool, will uh, they'll step up. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got several questions I want to ask Mr. Farrell Elliott when he gets here. I talked to a Dallas Cowboy fan today, and I was talking up Des Bryant. And, uh, you know, I'm like, man, I can't wait. You know, I think a lot of people uh, feel like he didn't fulfill expectations last year when he uh, – in, in just his second year. I mean, I think people watched that first game against uh, Darryl Revis. Uh, for the Jets, and you saw how dominant Des Bryant was in the first half. Then the second half, he kind of disappeared. And, you know, he ended up with three receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown on eight targets. And everybody was like, man, if they can get that guy the ball, he's going to be dominant. Well, look at his season. 63 catches, 928 yards, and nine touchdowns. Mike, that's not a disappointment at all. Uh, I mean, when you look at it, Six for 70, six for 60, four for 40 in a touchdown, uh, one for 50 in a touchdown, eight for 80 in a touchdown the last five games of the year. He, 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 there was definitely something about every time you played against Des Bryant, you're like, oh, man, he might go for 30, and he didn't, okay? And you were like, man, all right, he, you know, I got, I got away with one. Because it always feels like you're sitting on the edge of a huge game for Des Bryant. But this Dallas Cowboy fan that I talked to today, he said, look, he said, uh, I, I love Dez. I think he's got all the potential. He's a great touchdown red zone option. But when Tony Romo is in the heat of the moment, who does he go to? Who does he throw to in the heat of the moment? And the question is, is that going to change because Dez, Dez's game is expanding? I'd like to get some, some player thoughts on this in the chat room because his opinion is, hey, when Miles Austin is healthy, Miles Austin is uh, the guy for Tony Romo. And if it's not Miles Austin – it's Mr. Standby, Mr. Top, Mr. Top Five, Jason Witten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a Cowboy fan, uh, I understand exactly uh, what uh, that person was saying. Uh, Des Bryant can be uh, kind of on an island, so to speak, uh, but I really believe Des Bryant is going to be a superstar in this league. Uh, I will I'll draft him very high because, I, I, I mean, I really believe this team can uh, – can really get things done uh, with Des Bryant as a big-time wide receiver and putting up fantasy points. Uh, when when you're talking about the other guys, I mean, Jason Witten, he's going to get his, and the other guys are as well. Um, so I, I, I think Des Bryant is going to be solid this year. I mean, big-time solid, Scott. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, you look at Miles Austin in, in the converse here. Against the Jets, 5 for 90 and a touchdown. Week 2 at San Francisco, and we know about this San Francisco defense. I mean, I know their run defense is very dominant. But at San Francisco, 9 for 143 and 3. Now, that's half of his touchdowns on the year. He scored seven touchdowns. He missed six games last year. Uh, and so when you, when you talk about the injury concerns with Miles Austin, if he could put that behind him, Three of his last four games of the season, he scored a touchdown. Three of his last four, his first, his three of his first three games back from a four-game hiatus, he scored touchdowns. And and so that tells you that Tony Romo is still putting it to his receiver Miles Austin. And and I think people are underestimating uh, where where they can what they can get from Miles Austin. Now some people have named Jeremy Macklin as a breakout candidate this year, Mike. 
Jeremy Macklin with uh, Michael Vick, and, and you've got the uh, hopefully rejuvenated Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Jeremy Macklin has all the ability in the world. You know, they, they talked about him being better than Michael Crabtree in uh, in college, and, you know, uh, Crabtree uh, saw Darius Hayward Bay drafted before him, and then and then you saw Jeremy Macklin go to the Eagles in the mid-first, la- in the, in the, uh, just a couple of years ago. He's a fourth-year wide receiver coming off of some big games, 96 targets last year, missed three games last year. So this is a guy that can, you know, when he's in an offense, can be a 120 type of target guy. The question is, can he do more than that? Can he be more than that? Can he be a top 10 wide receiver and be like a 150 type target guy? Uh, You need those 150 targets to be considered really, um, you know, 140, 150 targets is what you kind of need to to have is to, to be in that top ten because you can never really count on the touchdown. Yeah, and you know what? There's so many wide receivers out there uh, that are getting uh, new spots, uh, like a Sidney Rice. I mean, that is way down the line. Uh, but you know, that's that's you know, catching lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Uh, Sidney Rice or a uh, Titus Young. I mean, we're going way down, but those guys, I mean, you can wait, 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 get your running back, get your quarterback, get your tight end, maybe even get him a second running back, and then still have uh, your uh, Titus Young and uh, guys like that available. I mean, so, I mean, these guys could be quality uh, wide receivers for you. Yeah, I think I think the name uh, Brian Hartline. Google Brian Hartline breakout. Uh, you might you might be able to score something there. Maybe a Darius Hayward Bay, uh, like you said, Titus yeah. Young, Denarius Moore, Justin Blackman. I mean, I think they're going to be solid contributors. Maybe not every week starters that you can count on, but definitely a wide receiver four candidate that you could throw in there. Uh, when when a bye week or something like that presents itself. I would prefer to have a little bit of a higher level of a wide receiver four, but not so early like we talked about. I don't think you need to spend that top seven pick on a number four wide receiver. I'm very against it. Let's find out what Farrell Elliott thinks. Uh, Mr. Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship joins us. Farrell, welcome to Red vs. Blue, a friend of the program. How are you today? Mr. Scott Atkins, Mr. Mike Trent, I am fine. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you? Great, great. Good to hear from you, Farrell. Same here, Mike, same here. You guys are getting deep into it. I hear you already talking about number four wide receivers. I like it, I like it. Hey, you know what, uh, Farrell, I drove about 110 miles uh, up 65 north knowing that you were going to be on the show tonight, So, and I made it with about – Three minutes to spare before the show, so uh, I'm glad you could make it, and uh, I'm glad I made it in one piece. Uh, but let's yeah. talk about what, let's talk about what you've got going on. You've been making your rounds around the the high stakes fantasy podcast last week on the high stakes fantasy hour. This week on Red versus Blue, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. For those of uh, those watching and listening, uh, tell us about what this contest is all about and what it means to you. Well, like you've been on the road today. Scott, I've been on the road, too. I'm actually seated in my car right outside the horseshoe now. I came over here to take care of some business and look at the rooms and lay out the floor plan for this evening. And, you know, an event like this, the work is never done. We're 49 days away from the main event. But over here tonight, I'm showing the guys where to put the tables because I want to get you lots of elbow room as you pick a championship team on August 24th, 25th, and 26th. We've got three shots at the main event this year. You can play in three different divisions. If you play in only one, you'll be here on Sunday at 1 o'clock. All the leagues are in the grand ballroom of the uh, of the horseshoe here. And, you know, they're going out of the way. They want it to be a perfect experience for us, but the work is truly never done. And then to add injury to insult, I've been working out, taking care of myself, sleeping good, and and then they took me to the buffet and fed me tonight. So all in all, I've had a wonderful night, but uh, here we are approaching midnight. We're we're, we're busy planning for this event, which is 49 days away, and, and, you know, I'm thrilled you guys are playing in it, and I hope that some of our listeners will decide to play in it as well. Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. I know Mike has a question for you next, but I want I want people to understand 
with, with this industry, you know, this is FPA Radio. We have uh, we have a kind of a pulse on the players, what they need, what they want out of contests, and what they're concerned about, Farrell. So talk to us a little bit about why you decided to get involved and why players should feel good about playing in your contest with all of the things that have happened in this industry over the last couple of years. Well, my first desire to get into business was I was play, a player in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, and I always felt it could be more, and I did not want to see it go away. I played in Las Vegas, and I thought that the area players were just as competitive, if not better players than those in Las Vegas. And I looked for an arrangement with the Las Vegas League that would allow our winners, as part of the prize structure, to go and to compete in Las Vegas, and we've done that since I've been involved in the league. This year, our top five finishers will make their way to Las Vegas for the FFPC draft in 2012. The winners, the top five winners from the 2012 event will move on in 2013. I wanted to give guys the chance to get in Las Vegas and play for that big money. Conversely, I wanted to put on an event that was unique and that the national player would like to come play in. And we've proven that that's, that's worked. As many of the guys that play in Las Vegas will come here and they're scheduled with a full slate of contests. Now, I originally took this idea to the FFPC, but those guys were in their first year. And they were getting their feet wet, and they had plenty of things to keep their eye on out there. So we uh, got involved with the World Championship of Fantasy Football. And I must say for us, that was a good relationship. Our players who won money, got paid, and uh, it was a satisfactory situation for all of us. It was a shame that it went away, and it was a shame it went away under the circumstances that it did. It put a stress on the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship because we ended up uh, honoring uh, our 10 bids that would have gone to the World Championship. We, we shifted them to the FFPC, so basically we ended up paying for uh, – paying for entry fees twice, but it also, what it did was cement our relationship with a stronger league in Las Vegas, and that, you know, our $300 entry fee, guys, there's only so far we can go with that with cash prizes. If we make it to 228 teams this year, our cash grand prize will be $10,000, divisional prizes will equal $1,600, trophies to all the divisions, beautiful trophy and the title of Kentucky Fantasy Football State Champion goes to our champion, but there's only so far you can go with that, with the $300 entry fee, but we can give guys an experience of a lifetime by putting them out in Las Vegas. I believe in the players. I believe in the five guys that are going there this year. One of them named Mike Trent and the real brains behind that operation, Rachel Heaver, and they're going out there to bring home a significant cash prize, and possibly a championship, and nothing would make me happy. Well, I'll tell you what, Farrell, I, I appreciate you saying that, and uh, we're, we're definitely going to give it a shot. You know, we finished uh, third last year. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of great uh, competitors there. Uh, Kimra, I mean, when you talk about Kimra, I mean, she's a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, that, that that's great stuff, and uh, I would like to for you uh, in a bit to expand on that. Uh but I do want to ask, uh, Farrell, uh, you know, there's so much coming in, and you have uh, you, you've grown so much with the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Uh, you know, you got guys uh, like Wes Hamlin, I mean, uh, and all the, the guys from Wisconsin, uh, the money. Uh, you know, how do you uh, do you escrow it, or how how does that work? Well, I don't escrow it, Mike, because we're still living with a deficit. Where our business is still, uh, our business is still losing money here. We've got a relationship of trust with the players, and we've uh, played players, paid players consistently since being in business. I want to, you know, the FFPC has set the standard. The check almost arrives at the door before the final gun sounds on the last game, and we're going in that direction. We have a number of players that have got involved in a situation where they just roll over so much of their winnings to keep it for next year because the league is expanding. And I'm in favor of that when I keep a close watch on the finances and make sure that the money is there the following year to pay everyone. 
this is still a business that I have to run and successfully run and keep the money flowing in and out. Now, when we get to the kind of numbers that I would like to see, three, 400 players, we'll be in profit, and then that money will go into an account, perhaps an attorney escrow. Uh, it could go even into a lockbox, but wherever it does go, you know, it'll go there for the prizes, and I hope to get in a situation where we can mirror the FFPC with, play, with paying guys. A lot of that is a bookkeeping procedure for that league, but it's a, it's good business to get people the money that they win and get it to them very quickly. Well, no, we are not escrowed. This is our 10th year in business. If we were a new business with what had been going on, in fantasy football, and, you know, you guys know better than I do uh, as to the online events that have a paid, and I get really confused by all the names of them, uh, and I don't know even the percentage of people that have a paid. But my point is that we're in our 10th year of uh, throwing an event and paying players, and when the numbers get to the point, when the cash starts coming in and it gets a big figure, we're talking about six figures, we'll probably move to an escrow or some type of uh, yeah, it's a tracking well, system. Right. Well, Farrell, I want to jump in real quick, and uh, I want to give you uh, real kudos because uh, I had to ask that question because, you know, I feel like in high stakes, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are listening that that they're into high stakes uh, fantasy football. But the reason I asked that question uh because I just wanted to know, but I want everybody to know out there right now that Earl Elliott called me three days after we had finished starting and said, where do you want your money? When can when can I get it to you? And, you know, so, I mean, I, I was just, I was thrilled, first off, to be in a position to get some money. But second off, I was thrilled that a commissioner of that league that quick would call me and say, hey, here's a here, here's here's what's coming. Well, I appreciate that, guys. And you know, Scott, um, and 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 Mike, you know, one of the things I do is is when players register for the league, I talk to them and I go through a conversation with them. And some of them are amazed that they're talking to me on the telephone, which is a commentary that that uh, it does not speak too well for our industry. Now, I believe that. Uh, when you have a thousand customers, it's difficult to cover everyone. The FFP, FFPC does a great job with it with Chris in the home office, and and I don't have a Chris because uh, if I did, I could never pay her what she was worth. She's <laughs> yeah, a great well. asset, and you know, so I do all that myself. But that's one of the motivations that I enjoy about the business is getting to know the people. I've I've got to know some colorful personalities. Uh, over the last few years, and, you know, it's it's very much like a reunion from year to year. Some of us get to uh, keep our relationship alive a little more through the season. And some guys I see only once uh, for Fantasy Football Weekend, but nevertheless, it's great relationships. It's, it's personality-driven, and that's what I enjoy about it. Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Always a pleasure having Farrell on. Uh, it's, a, it's a great contest down at the Horseshoe Casino every September. And I remember Mike Trent was sitting in first place heading into week 16 with Mr. Drew Brees on his, you know, carrying kind of the weights there. Uh, had a great shot to, to take it down. Finished third overall, and now he's going to be in Vegas. It's a very rewarding feeling, I'm sure you have, Farrell, to see guys like Mike and Rachel uh, be able to take that next step. But let's talk about what it's going to take. You're a fantasy player at heart. Me and you had a real bloodbath last year. I called you that oh. night. What a game. I think it was the most horrible game we had. Uh, it was like a point one uh, finish, you know, at the end. It was just it was just brutal. Uh, but the the thing that we talk, we're talking about tonight are those wide receivers in those middle rounds, third, fourth, fifth rounds that are going to propel you this year. And I want to give you a list of year two wide receivers, and I want you to kind of throw out a name that you think might overperform Somebody that people aren't talking enough about. I'm going to give you a quick list. Everybody knows the top two, A.J. Green and Julio Jones. You get those, you're, you're, you're on cloud nine. But the, the other list is, kind of, is pretty deep. Greg Little, Randall Cobb, Jonathan Baldwin, Torrey Smith, 
Vincent Brown, Leonard Hankerson, and Titus Young. That's a good group of second-year wide receivers, Farrell. Which name kind of stands out to you as a name that you might want to be picking up on your teams this year? I was listening. I was listening so carefully and so intently. I can only now remember the end of the list. I've, the one guy that sticks out to me in that list is Greg Little. Today on the show, uh, our KFFSC radio show, um, the show host looked up the numbers because I wanted to make for sure exactly what his height and weight is. Six three, two hundred twenty pounds, and he moves like a Victor Cruz. And I really think that despite the quarterback woes in Cleveland, I really think this is a player we can count on. Uh, Dave Gerzak pointed out something in a previous show that this player got very little senior season at North Carolina, and what he did what he did get was marred by all the issues they had down there. Then he got huh. locked out, and then he comes into Cleveland, with, and he still had a very successful year. He didn't find the end zone much, but I believe if you guys check, we're going to see about – 60-something passes for the season. So what what you have there is a player that I think is is, is explosive and is in a position where he could uh, well outperform his uh, ADP. Um, Titus Young at the bottom of that list, uh, this team is going to throw the ball around a great deal. Uh, I was looking at Lou Tranquilli's coaching tree about uh, tight end targets earlier today, and I saw where uh, the tight end was targeted over 150 times at that at that team, I think, this year. And Titus Young, uh, the, the more the, the Pettigrew and, and uh, Calvin Johnson get downfield and open things up for him underneath, it, that could be a terrific year for him. All those players you mentioned have something really, really high upsides to them. Did you, did you mention the Raider receiver, uh, Moore? No, Denarius Moore, that's another name uh, really uh, caught on fire when it was Vegas, September. Everybody was talking about Denarius Moore. You get him, you know, in the 10th or 12th round, and everybody's like, whoa, who's this guy? Well, he was he flashed brilliantly, but he was disappointing last year. I think less than 40 catches. But there's a player that I can expect to move up. Now, I participated with my longtime playing partner, Justin McCord, last night, and, and Justin um, – and I uh, drafted, and we just couldn't resist in the eleventh round, Randy Moss. And I, you know, that's a high, that's a that's a high risk if he goes much higher than that. But in the eleventh round, I saw that as low risk, big reward. If he runs like he he ran at Tennessee and Minnesota, well, we're going to know real quickly that there's nothing there. But if he's if he has if he has worked his uh, desire around his physical skills, then that's a rare, very interesting pickup. And I, I guess I got off question because I believe he's been in the league longer than two years. So I guess I went a little bit off the field. That's okay, man. Let's talk about year three wide receivers. That's the magical breakout year that a lot of people talk about. Uh, there's a lot of wide receiver names here, and I'll just run down the list um, of the more impressive ones. Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, and Antonio Brown. Those are the four names that kind of stand out to me. Which one can you see taking uh, in the draft barrel that you think can make a real impact? Obviously, if you take Dez, you're giving up a, a third or, you know, a early fourth-round pick there, and mm-hmm. probably a third. So do you, do you see yourself taking a Dez, a Demarius, a Decker, or an Antonio Brown this year? A wonderful, wonderful players up and down that list, but I'm, I want to get in business with Antonio Brown. I think the new offensive coordinator and the plans that Pittsburgh have, they drafted offensive linemen. They, uh, 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 Rothenberger's going to be putting that ball in the air. I'm uncertain who's going to play running back there uh, for any length of time. So I really like that situation greatly. Well, Antonio Brown, I'll jump in here real quick, uh, Farrell. Uh, you know, I, I like Antonio Brown, but uh, to me, uh, Demarius Thomas is just – sticks out. It's not because uh, it's Peyton Manning. It's because Demarius Thomas made, I mean, he made Tim Tebow look really good last year. So can you imagine how good he's going to make Peyton Manning look and vice versa? Vice versa. I am huge on Demarius Thomas. 
Well, I think a lot of other people will be too, Mike, and I don't know how far he's going to move up that list. You guys are throwing names out that look a little bit like the dessert cart from this restaurant I just came from. You can't make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot to choose from this year, Farrell. Um, and, and I know the fun thing about the KFSC to get back to your contest, and I wish – more leagues could be able to pull it off, and I, and I know as you get as you grow and you get bigger, it may get more difficult to pull off. But it's the blind bidding for draft spots, and and this is one of the, I, it's it's one of the most fun parts of the year I think for me is to be able to go into the draft and bid for my draft slot and realize that after the draft is over, I'm either behind in dollars or I'm ahead in dollars, and you can look at that team and kind of size people up. Talk about this concept. And is it here to stay? I, yes, it's here to stay. We'll always be able to do it. We did a uh, – and I don't know who this we is. It's just me. But uh, I think of all you guys as part owners of the league, so I'll stay with that word. But we we tested uh, a survey question, and uh, we said, who – you know, do you favor that? Are you in favor of, of choosing where you want to draft and using your free agent dollars – to decide where you want to draft on draft day. And, you know, I thought it would come back 70, 70 like it and 30% don't. It can't, I finally had to quit counting because it was in the 99th percentile. We had one or two guys that said no, and I think they just marked the wrong box by mistake. What it is is the birth of it came from the situation that you would pay a, a big amount of money to go play in Las Vegas, and then you would get a position pulled out of the hat. And, you know, I've never been comfortable. Uh, I, I think, uh, Scott, we played in the same division in the FFPC last year, and I have never been comfortable sitting in the sixth spot, and that's what I got last year. And so I mm-hmm. have to go take the players in the sixth spot and, and then in the 18, and as you move through the draft, and I just didn't like anything about where I was. I would have rather chosen – to be in the, in, you know, to be within the first two picks or to fall towards the last, and I would have gladly given up significant free agent money to make that choice. And that's what's unique about our league. You're going to have ownership from day one on your draft position, and you're going to walk in there knowing that you can bid your money and you can draft from the position that you want to bid from. And, and we got to stress that that's fantasy dollars. You're bidding your 1,000 fantasy dollars to choose your your uh, draft position and control your entire destiny throughout the draft. It's just not the oh, first pick. Uh, it's how the other picks fall. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Mike. I talked over you there. What did you say? That's all right. I, I just want to keep everybody up to speed. Uh, say if, if you have a thousand dollars mythical uh, fantasy money, uh, if you was to bid, uh, say, five hundred on the first round or the first pick, and you get it then you've got $500 to deal with for the rest of the season, correct? Correct. $500 for the rest of the regular season. Our free agency ends after week 11 anyway. And uh, okay. I've always thought that an owner that can anticipate a team's moves, like last year with Victor Cruz, it is announced that Victor Cruz is now going to be a starting receiver with the New York Giants. Well, don't wait until he catches nine passes. Go out and bid on him when they announce that he's a starter. Put your trust in that coaching staff. And you know what? If he doesn't do well, you can release him and get somebody else, and you can acquire him for very little money. But we had, And that could happen in some divisions. But in other divisions, guys waited until he put up some significant numbers, and then they spent tons of money chasing Victor Cruz. So be proactive in free agency. Maybe you don't need all that thousand fantasy dollars to claim the player you want. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of funny to uh, it's kind of funny to watch how the bidding goes uh, to get those draft positions because I mean it's it's nuts. It's the one, two, three, or the uh, eleven, twelve, uh, thirteen. I mean it just eleven, twelve. It, those spots are prime and. You know, we were lucky to get uh, twenty bucks for uh, the sixth pick. So you never know. Yeah. So you you guys did very well uh, coming from the sixth slot last year, a slot that I never liked to play in. But you know, you finished yeah. third and almost won the contest from the sixth slot. Chris Hills, our champion from three years ago, won from the sixth position. I don't think any position is better than the other as long as you have a strategy 
to make that position work. Oh, uh, now, I, I, I've about heard everything I can take, Mike. You got Ray Rice with the sixth pick, okay? You had an absolute <laughs> present for you at the sixth pick. I was like, Ray Rice? How'd you get Ray Rice with the sixth pick, man? You got to be kidding me. I think hey. Mike is hypnotizing the competition <laughs> to get to that Ray Rice of the sixth pick. I believe he is. Yeah, but Mike, uh, do you remember the remember? five players that went in front? Do you – I, I guess it was Shady McCoy, Arian Foster, maybe somebody drafted a quarterback too high. Uh, Andre you know, Johnson. Were you just, Andre Johnson, were you just sitting there with butterflies in your stomach in that 6-0? Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, I looked at Rachel, and I, I thought she was going to pass out. I was like, no, we got Ray Rice. <laughs> Did you look at Rachel and say, hey, is there another Ray Rice in the league, or is this really the first <laughs> guy we're getting? Is there yeah. two of them out there? Worked out pretty good Yeah, it was uh, We'll have to do a recap of that draft Well, Farrell, thanks for being a part of Red vs. Blue We look forward to seeing you and getting uh, Back down there at the Horseshoe Casino For uh, for all the action And the, the Mid-States game The Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, Farrell, thanks for being on Red vs. Blue My man, we'll see you soon It's my pleasure, guys, thank you Thanks, Farrell uh, See you, Mike the one and only Farrell Elliott there, Mike, and a great guest, a lot of insight, one hell of a fantasy player, too. I didn't know that about him a couple years ago when I first met him, uh, but then you start to look at his drafts and you start to see that, hey, he knows what he's doing. He, he He's absorbed and involved in this stuff just like we are. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how this will all shake out as, as the years go on here with this uh, affiliate, uh, affiliation with the FFPC, will they start to migrate toward those rules a little bit? Because, well, let's face it, now you're playing FFPC main event and one and a half points per reception for tight ends, dual flex. Uh, the, the the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, you have to start three wide receivers. You cannot forget that when you show up to play in Kentucky. you got to start three every week. Yeah. You know, and I think that uh, eventually the uh, Kentucky Fantasy uh, – uh, state championship, they're, they're going to migrate to that. I mean, they almost have to. But uh, I tell you what, uh, Farrell's done a wonderful job. I, I don't, I hate to keep pumping him up and uh, what he's done, but uh, man, he's done a great job, and I, I really believe that uh, they're going to uh, migrate to the, uh, the the same scoring system. I mean, that's what that's what they ha- that's what they have to do. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're, we're bound to see that happen. And I tell you what, I would like to see some kind of uh, if, if somebody keeps track of this kind of thing, the bidding amounts that go into it. I know if you're a new player, you might be kind of leery. Oh, I don't know about bidding for my draft slot. I don't know how fair they're. I, I feel like I might not have an edge because I don't quite understand it. If you're a new player, it might be good to kind of release that information and show people. Uh, as the first rounds went across, how much they paid for those bids. That'd be that'd be kind of fun to analyze and dig into. Look, we're going to see a lot of people uh, come in for this thing. You saw Justin McCord. You saw Jason yeah. Kahn. Um, you you saw, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier, uh, but we, we we saw John Duckworth, Dave Gerzak, the Wisconsin boys, and and yeah. uh, you're you're going to see guys coming from all all different directions around the country to be part of this thing. And, and so you, you like to see the, the, the tools and kind of the education start to come out a little bit because blind bidding for grass loss, hey, it's a different world. And when you step up, you better know if you're going to be bidding a dollar or 900 when it comes time. Exactly. Exactly, Scott. And uh, just to kind of close uh, close out uh, for myself, I mean, Les Sandlin from uh, St. Louis, I mean, you know, he, he approached me right away, even before the draft, how much are you going to bid? How much are you going to bid? You know, and he's not even in my same league. And you know, it's kind of it's kind of weird how that works because, uh, you know, if you want that first pick, well then go ahead and get it. But chances are it's going to cost you a lot, and you won't have much left toward the end of the year. Yeah. Well, hey, look, it's been a lot of fun. Chat room has been great. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking wide receivers. You know, this past uh, this past show. Next week, we've got uh, the Pros versus Joe's Fantasy Mojo. The draft slots and leagues will be announced here on Red vs. Blue. Stay tuned for that, and we're going to turn our attention to the running backs. So you don't want to miss that, Mike. Uh, Red vs. Blue Fantasy Mojo from Pros vs. Joe's. 
I know you'd be a little busy, but hopefully you can come on. Everybody in the chat room, thanks for being a part of Red vs. Blue. We will see you next week, Mike. Talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Thanks, Scott, man. Next time.